So we are on lesson six of the spring quarter, and the title of the lesson is The Trumpet Judgments. The scriptures are Revelation chapters 8 and 9. And this is probably the weirdest judgments we're going to see. These are weird. So, um, yeah. So we're going to start off with the seventh seal and the golden censer, that's section A. And that'll be verses 1 through 5 of chapter 8. Somebody wants to read that. One place. Okay, thank you. So yeah, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, remember this is Jesus bringing this. He is doing this. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So this is after the six seal judgments, which remember were the rise of the Antichrist, world war, famine, um, and the death of one quarter of the Earth's population. Then we saw a whole bunch of martyrs, believers who had been killed. And finally, there were cosmic disturbances with the sky splitting and rolling up and earthquakes and things like that. And at that point, the unbelievers recognized God is involved in this. And then we saw those who were sealed, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and we saw the product of their evangelism, which is uh, zillions of believers who were in heaven so because they had been martyred. So here, this is the last seal, and there is silence. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what the silence means. Um, it, it's all contradictory. I think probably the best way to think about it, it it's just um, because what Jesus has unleashed with the seventh seal is everything else. The trumpets and the bowls are all locked up in the sixth or seventh seal, and um, and that culminates in Jesus' second advent, which is the great and terrible day of the Lord. So, so then, verse two, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So, seven trumpets are. Angels are to announce each trumpet. And um, I just wanted to say that even this is pretty chaotic, but even in the chaos there is order. And that's because we serve a God of order. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And that verse is in the use of spiritual gifts. That even in the use of spiritual gifts, there should be order. Then verse 3, another angel came and stood at the altar. So this is the eighth angel, holding a golden censer. Much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. So incense and prayer are put together. Uh, in Exodus, when they made the tabernacle, they 
made a special formula for the incense, and it was only to be used for the tabernacle and incense before God. It wasn't used to, to be used privately. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but that is Exodus 30, 6 through 8, tells us about the incense. It says, you shall put this altar in front of the veil. So this is the incense altar that is near the Ark of the Testimony in front of the mercy seat that is over the Ark of the Testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. When Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So incense is like a type for the prayers of believers. So my question to you is, does your life involve prayer? And I know that everybody here does. But I'm asking the online people too. Does your life involve prayer if you're a believer? And what does Jesus think about prayer? Yeah, Jesus... Um, really, he commands prayer. You know, because our our relationship with God is a relationship. You know, it's not a set of rules. It is an interaction. It is a relationship. And uh, prayer is a necessary part of that. Otherwise, there's not a relationship. So in Luke 18, verses 1 and 2, this is Jesus. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So you, prayer should be always with us. Um, you know, I mean, through this last week, I have had prayer after prayer after prayer answered. You know, Suzanne would just say, wouldn't it be great if you could do your surgery tomorrow? After I went and had scope stuck in me and all this stuff. Well, he called and said, you want to have it done tomorrow? <laughs> I said, sure. So anyway, James speaks about prayer. James 4, verse 2, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder, so that's a bad thing. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Well, who should we ask? We ask God, right? You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Yeah, when, you know, I have a friend who is not a believer who is talking to me about this, and she says, you, you've you got this. And I said, no, I don't got this. But the Lord has me. And so we pray and ask him. Um, I have nothing to do with this. I have no power at all in relation to this. And then also James 5, 16 through 18. Good morning, Shirley. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. 
Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So Elijah's prayer was in accordance with God's will, and God used Elijah to turn off the rain spigot for three and a half years on unbelieving Israel. That was when Ahab was king. And uh, so, you know, if, if, if we don't pray, we can't see these things. But if we do, we can, and especially if we pray in accordance with his will. And that's First John 5.14. It says, For we know that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. So he will answer prayer according to his will. And that is what is going on here with the uh, censer. And the incense was mixed with the prayers of the saints. And remember, in seal judgment five, the martyrs under the altar were praying that the Lord would avenge their deaths on the unbelieving earth dwellers who had killed them. So that that is the prayer that's going to be answered here. So then in verse 4, And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And then verse 5, The angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. It appears that during the tribulation period there are going to be a lot of earthquakes. A lot of earthquakes. If we go back to chapter 4, verse 5, this is before anything happened. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning, sounds, and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. It's, every time a series of judgments comes forth, it seems there's lightning, sounds, and peals of thunder very dramatic okay so in 4 chapter 5 there's not an earthquake here there's the same thing with the uh, lightning thunder and an earthquake to initiate the trumpet, ju trumpet judgments okay so your prayers matter I think that's the theme of this section our prayers do matter the Lord hears them and he will act on them if he agrees with them so that's that we want to train ourselves to pray in ways that are agreeable to God. Exactly. We want to pray in his will because then we'll see them answered. Okay, so now we're going to go to the first four trumpet judgments. That's section B. Okay. And I'll read this one. It's verse 6. So verse 6, And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. 
The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to those who dwell on the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Okay. So back to verse 6, seven angels, they had the seven trumpets, they prepared, and then the first sounded, and the first trumpet brought hail and fire and blood together, falling on the earth. Now, um, this is this lesson, we have to be very careful about how we interpret these things, <laughs> you know. We want to stick to our method, our literal, grammatical, historical, contextual method of interpretation. And I think if we do that in this first trumpet judgment, it really is hail and fire and blood. Doesn't say it's like blood. Doesn't say it's, you know, I think it is blood. Remember, these are supernatural things. These are supernatural things. They are not natural. Page 59 of the quarterly says, Some think the trumpet judgment should be taken at face value as describing what will actually occur on the earth in the end times. And that's where we are. We, that's, we have that same interpretation. We take God at his word. We don't try to make it up and try to change it to something else. So hail and fire and blood mixed as precipitation. The results of this trumpet judgment are one-third of the earth is burned. One-third of the trees are burned. And all of the green grass is burned. So um, that's pretty devastating judgment, I'd say, isn't it? That's pretty devastating. So then the second angel sounded, verse 8, and something like, okay, now when we see that, that is a figure of speech. That is called a simile. Something like a great mountain burning with fire. So it was not actually a mountain burning with fire, but I can think of something that it could be, you know, a meteor, meteorite, something like that. Yeah, could look like that to John. That was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And I do believe that that means blood, because it says blood. <laughs> so, um, I mean, as you go through these, you'll see that there's a lot of parallels between this and the Exodus plagues. When the Lord was bringing Israel out of Egypt, here the Lord is bringing the earth out of the grip of Satan. So it's like the Egyptian plagues, only greater. So it's big like a mountain burning into the sea, and the result is one-third of the sea became blood, 
Then the third trumpet. Verse 10, the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood. So it has a name. Now, you have to, and this is a challenging part of this, because um, remember, stars, depending on their context, they can be what we see in the sky, little twinkling stars. They can also be angels, are called stars. And, you know, this, this star is named. It is called Wormwood. So I tend to lean toward the fact that this may be an angel. I'm not sure if I'm in the majority on that. But what did, what did this star do? It was burning like a torch. It fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. So the fresh water was contaminated, right? Wormwood means bitter, so it's poisoned. The fresh water was poisoned, a third of it. And, um, you know, I would think that a, an angel would have more intelligent volition as to how to get one-third of the rivers touched by this rather than an inanimate object. Um, but I could be wrong on that. And the reason I think that is because it's named. It's given a name. Um, but the bottom line is that one-third of the fresh water on Earth is poisoned. Yeah. So, and then that results in verse 11. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the waters because they were made bitter. So a lot of people die here. And I didn't study it hard enough to well, come up with a, yeah, come up with a, but it made, it made me wonder if this is an angel, perhaps. It's, it's a bad thing. <laughs> we can, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a poison and, you know, when people would drink the water, they would say, oh, that's not good. And they'd fall over dead. So that's not a good thing. And then verse 12, the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Notice there's a lot of thirds in the trumpet judgments. So what this reminds me of is Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, verse 18 because here he, Amos is talking about, you know, hundreds of years before the day of the Lord. This is the day of the Lord. And, uh, you know, there was the evening and there was the morning. The first day was the evening and then the morning. So that helps you understand the day of the Lord. There's the evening, darkness. That's this, tribulation. And then there's the morning, which is the millennial kingdom. So anyway, this is Amos 5.18. Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light, as when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him, or goes home, leans his hand against the wall, and a snake bites him. 
Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? You know, this this is where nobody gets a break ever. These things happen, and you're like, oh, it's over. It happens again, you know. It's relentless. And uh, so, you know, Amos told them, don't wish for the day of the Lord because it's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. And so, and we don't want to wish for the day of the Lord. We want to wish for people to be saved before the day of the Lord so they don't have to go through the day of the Lord. And then verse 13, Then I looked and I heard. Now that's interesting, isn't it? I looked and I heard. It doesn't say I looked and I saw. It says I looked and I heard. An eagle flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So the, this eagle is proclaiming there there are three more things coming which are woes. And so the uh, fifth and sixth trumpets, we will see they are wild and crazy. And then the seventh trumpet releases the bow judgments, which were, are also woes. Okay, so now we're going to go into demonic territory. Chapter 9. Somebody want to read chapter 9, verses 1 through 12? Okay. So, yeah, this is the first woe is the fifth trumpet judgment, which is a release of things that look like locusts from the abyss, from the bottomless pit. Okay, that is a place where demons are held captive. Demons are held captive there. And so, this is uh, from Job 38, verse 7. And this is where you find that angels are sometimes called stars. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's when the angels were watching the Lord create the earth and the rest of the creation. I think probably the angels were created first. You know, in Genesis 1.1 it says, in the beginning God created the heavens first and the earth next. So I think the angels were created early on the first day of creation. Yeah, I'm <laughs> He created everything that includes the angels. And so, um, so you know, there's always going to be variations <laughs> in things. And uh, so, but, <clears throat> you know, th that is not my idea. There's a very good book on, um, it's on the rapture. It's on this, I'm going to use it for when Dane goes. The first sermon is going to be on the seven-sealed scroll. He explains that. And he also explains same author wrote a book on angels and talks about when they were created. And it's very rational what he has there created on the first day. Um, but there are people who believe that the angels were before the creation, as explained in the Bible. But what they don't have anything to back that up. 
That's all I'm saying. So, um, so angels can be compared to stars. And in Revelation 20, verse 1, this is some, someone coming down to the abyss as well. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Okay, here we see a star, and the key at the bottomless pit was given to him, which is the third person, singular, masculine pronoun. Okay, a he. And he opened the bottomless pit. So I do think that's an angel with a key to this abyss, letting, letting the convicts loose. So he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Now we hear about this pit in Second Peter also. Chapter 2 and verse 4. Yeah, in this passage, Peter is talking about false teachers, and he talks about the, the, the Lord knows how to discipline these people. And then he uses two examples. Second Peter 2, verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. So this Second um, Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, talking about the angels, uh, relates back to Genesis 6. You remember Genesis 6 when we went through that part with Dane? There are some angels that are free, some demons, fallen angels that are free. There are some that are incarcerated. And how do you explain that? Well, you explain it by Genesis 6. Genesis 6, verse 1, Now it came about when men began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, the sons of God, refer to angels saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Nef to, nephal means to fall in Hebrew. The Nephilim are the fallen ones. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. The angels that were involved in this were locked up by God. So they're not, they can't affect us, except for here. In the tribulation period, they're released for a time, and they appear as locusts with scorpion stings. You know, this sort of stuff is why you have to take God's word literally. Because if we, you take his word literally through all of the, uh, the historical books, 
the Gospels. We see miracles happening and things like this. This is These are miracles which we have no experience with at all. And so, but we still take God at his word. We take him at his word. So in verse 4, they were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now we've seen that seal before, right? Where did we see that seal? Remember the Jewish evangelists? 144,000 Jewish evangelists. They were, a seal was placed on their foreheads. That was during the first seal judgment, when before war broke out. <clears throat> and you and I have a seal. Maybe it's on our foreheads. <laughs> Maybe an angel can see it here. If an angel looks at us, I don't know. But we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Are you looking for my seal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know, when the Lord looks at his own, he sees him. He sees the seal. I know he sees the seal. So, but these uh, demons are not allowed to bother believers. They're only allowed to bother those who do not have the seal. They're unbelievers. Yeah, and so then they were not permitted to kill anyone but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. They have limits, don't they? They can't do whatever they want. And that shows God's grace to us. And so that takes us back to Job. The Lord has given demons some latitude. But they can't do whatever they want. They need permission from him to do any dastardly deeds that they want. And this is Job, chapter 1, and verse 12. Remember, Satan was walking around the earth, and he came up to heaven and stood before the Lord. And um, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. Okay, so there was a limit there, right? Yes. And Satan did all these terrible things, including kill his children. He took away all of his goods. He killed his children. And Job did not curse God. And then in chapter 2, verse 6, Satan comes up to the Lord again. And the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? For there was no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. 
And that's when Job got sick. But the Lord put a limit on what he could do. And that's what we're seeing here in this fifth trumpet judgment. The Lord puts a limit. These demons were not to hurt any of the the grass or any green thing or any tree. Now, verse 6 looks at the severity of the judgment. Remember, nobody's killed with this. But they're made to hurt. There is suffering introduced. Verse 6, And in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. So how would you like to hurt so bad that you wanted to kill yourself and you couldn't do it? You could not do it. It reminds me of uh, one of the last uh, shows in Lost. That's an older show now. It was kind of a weird show, but there was this guy who wanted to kill himself. Every time he tried it, it backfired. It didn't work. <laughs> and that's how it'll be. You will be in so much pain, you'll want to kill yourself, and it will backfire. You can't do it. So, um, you know, you'll be unable to commit suicide. Then verses 7 through 10, it's a freaky appearance of these things. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women. Their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. Can you imagine the fear on the earth when these things are let loose? So I have another quote from the quarterly here. Yeah, about these locusts. One is left with the impression that these creatures are invincible, intelligent, fearsome, and ruthless. And then verse 11 and 12 tells about their leader. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. And then it gives his name both in Hebrew and in Greek. The name means destroyer. Abaddon in Greek, I mean Abaddon in Hebrew, and Apollyon in Greek. They both mean destroyer. That is the name of the leader of this bunch. Some people think it's Satan, but these were incarcerated. Demons. Satan has not been incarcerated. He, he won't be incarcerated until the end of the tribulation period. So that is the first woe. The first woe is this release of demonic locusts from the abyss for five months. And then I'm assuming that they are put back in the abyss after five months. They usually wait a couple times. Yeah, I think it's that's the time that they're allowed to do their thing. They can only do it for five months, which is not very long, really. But <clears throat> it's pretty severe. If they sting you, you want to kill yourself, you can't do it. You're hurting, you know. So the flood was probably a, a worse judgment than the tribulation period, but the suffering was much less. Everybody just drowned. For the tribulation period, the suffering is intense. You know, stuff like this. You get stung, it's terribly painful, and you cannot die, even if you want to. 
Verse 12 says, The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after this. Okay? All right. Chapter 9, verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Okay, so these are angels that are bound. That's important. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates the color of fire and of hyacinth and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. More toward the beginning. No, the end of the, the six seal judgments, people were afraid of God. And I'm assuming that some people repented about what they thought about Jesus during that time. Here we're seeing that they're hardening. You know, so they won't re Okay, so 13. He heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. And verse 14, one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So are holy angels bound? No, holy angels are not bound. So if an angel is bound, you know it's a fallen angel. It is a demon. So there are four angels bound there at the river Euphrates. And they are released and they were prepared. Verse 15, the four angels, they had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year. They were released and the reason being to kill a third of mankind. That's what they were saved for. And, you know, because the Lord, again, is a God of order, the Lord has a timetable for things to happen. The, the people who are dying here by these things are unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the believers die too but they die at the hand of the unbelievers. You know, they're executed by the unbelievers. So um, everybody dies in <laughs> the tribulation period, except very few. So Galatians 4, 4 and 5, it talks about timing also. 
says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Um, it was not an accident when Jesus was born. And we saw that he was born in the fullness of time. And he was born of a woman, according to Genesis 3.15. And he was born under the Mosaic law. He was born in the time of the law. And uh, when he set up his church in Acts 2, that is when the dispensation changed and the, the law was brought to an end. And now we walk under the law of Christ, which is the epistles. So, and then it says, you know, I think a lot of people interpret this as a human ar army, say from China, because um, of that number 200 million. Um, but I don't think that does, and one of my favorite teachers does that, Andy Woods does that. But I don't think that takes into account this description of what they look like. They do not look like men. And you notice that the horsemen are not the ones that are causing the havoc. It's the horses themselves. The horses... See, verse 17, and this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates, color of fire, hyacinth, and a brimstone, and the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. So the horses' mouths, which look like lions, it's like they're dragons, you know, from uh, time past. And it's with these things that come out of their mouth that they kill a third of mankind. So up until this point, the Lord has not allowed demons to kill. He didn't allow Satan to kill Job. He didn't allow the scorpion locusts to kill. But these ones are allowed to kill people. So, and that, you know, that's how the Lord works in someone who is not repentant. He gradually turns up the heat. And that happens to believers too. If a believer is in a life of sin and they refuse to repent, you know, the Holy Spirit comes to us as a believer and, and tries to correct us, tries to get us to walk in the way of the Lord, things like that. If we, if we don't do it, then discipline comes. And the discipline is gradual, and then it is ramped up if you don't respond. That, when that happens, that's when national Israel converts. National Israel will convert to their Messiah during that time in the tribulation period when the, you, know, you have all these cosmic signs. And what Peter was preaching there was that what they were seeing with the tongue flames of fire the flames of fire and them speaking alternate languages, which they hadn't studied. That was the Holy Spirit coming upon them, just like the Holy Spirit will come on national Israel toward the end of the tribulation period, because that's what Joel was prophesying. And that will happen then. 
Okay, so a third of the mankind are killed by these plagues, excluding the sealed. And the sealed, remember 9 verse 4, they were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And in Revelation chapter 7, I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Then verse 20 and 21, we see the hardening of sin. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. So we've talked about this before. If you hear the gospel and you reject it, it'll be a little harder for you the next time it comes around. It'll be every time you reject it, it'll be a little hard, harder for you the next time it comes around. So this is Hebrews 4, verse 7. He again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now in the context, this is speaking of believers who um, they believe, but they're not following the Lord. So, but it can be said just as much of unbelievers. Unbelievers only have one thing they have to do. They have to change their mind about who Jesus is and what he can do. So the gospel is this. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again, according to the scriptures on the third day. And then he ascended to the right hand of God. And he gives a promise to those who believe in him. If you trust in him, he will grant you eternal life. That is the gospel. Yes, ma'am. Right, yeah. And I think that, you know, it says in, uh, I think it's First Corinthians, that we will judge the angels. It says, do you not know you will judge the angels? And I, I think that can only happen when we're in Jesus and we're glorified in him. We're his bride. We're holy. Yeah, we're his wife. Then we would have the authority to do that. We can't do that now. They're much stronger than we are, smarter than we are. Yeah. So anyway, this is scary stuff, and uh, we want people to stay out of it. So trust in Jesus now. You won't have anything to worry about. So Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you don't uh, sugarcoat things. You tell us just the way it's going to be. And we pray that you will guide us and help us to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen.